It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Eric, we live in a crazy day and age. And I think for a lot of us, we expected things to be a lot different, I think, in just even how we're living day to day. Uh, yesterday, you preached a sermon called The Vaccine Dilemma. And even just the title itself is probably one of those that at least gives someone like a, uh, I probably need to listen to that, which I would encourage them to do. And again, just as a reminder, you can go to ellerslie.com, go to sermons, or if you're listening this week, go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily. But could you give us a quick just summary of what you even mean by the vaccine dilemma? Yeah, well, I, I, I think there's a lot of dilemmas we're facing today as the church and they're quandaries, they're conundrums where it's not obvious how we should be responding to them. The vaccine just falls into that category. It's sort of a lead one because it's it's a lead issue in our culture, but we have a lot of them. There's, there's multiple tiers of them that have been emerging, not just over this past year, but many of them over this past year, but uh, some over the past years. And so covering that yesterday isn't necessarily, the goal wasn't to give a clear answer to say, here's how you should handle the vaccine as much as here's how you should handle the vaccine issue in the body of Christ. I feel like the devil's playing us and he is playing us in such a way where we are falling for it. We're playing the devil's game instead of God's game. And as a result, there's division in the church over peripheral items. And I think most of us would agree that vaccination is not a salvific issue, but Many people are approaching it that way right now, which is spiking the punch. And you know, throughout this week, like today, we're going to talk about face coverings or masks. It's not a salvific issue. It is a peripheral issue. And if someone said even a couple of years ago, yeah, the church will be divided over masks, we would all just sort of chuckle and go, that's ridiculous. And yes, the ridiculous is unfolding before our very eyes. There's a lot of those issues. And so that's what we want to touch on this week. It's actually somewhat of a challenging week for us as we were mapping this out. It's like, what are we getting ourselves into? (laughs) But what we're trying to do is we're not trying to prescribe a specific action, you know, whether to wear a mask or not wear a mask, but to just begin that discussion to say, this cannot divide us. As the body of Christ, there is something greater. Now, the Bible is going to refer to it as love, that love is the chief action. So in 1 Corinthians, you know, Paul is going to map out and say, you could do this, you could behave this way, which is right. But if you don't have love as the chief operation behind it, it's empty, it's useless, it's nothing. And that's what we don't want to be as a church right now. We don't want to lose that function of love especially one to another. I'm not just talking about loving the sinner out there, but first and foremost, how we love one another in our midst, because there's division on these points. There's disagreement on these points. So how can we overcome that in the power of the Holy Spirit, the word of God as our lead instrument? How can we land our feet solidly on these points? I think this is so important too, because I I think we as Christians nod our head when we say, yes, we need to respond in love. But we forget that when Paul defines love, specifically in 1 Corinthians, love is always outward focused. Mm-hmm. Love, love is not a, what, what do I get out of this? How does this affect me? This is not about, you know, is it going to cost me something? Love is actually going to cost you something. Mm-hmm. And so it's a purposeful turn to say, okay, how in this situation, uh, in the midst of, in, in, in Paul's context, in his dilemmas of, of that early church day, how do I respond in a way that's not self-protecting? Mm-hmm. Uh, how, do I, how do I get out of my own... Yeah. grid and say, okay, 
uh, there's a person. How do I show mm-hmm. affection and love and the gospel mm-hmm. to them, even if it costs me something? Yep. And I think even though we're not in the early church days and mm-hmm. we're dealing with dilemmas that are probably just as crazy uh, as Paul's. In other words, yeah. I'm sure he rolled his eyes once and went, why are we dealing with this in the church? <laughs> like this should be so basic. Yeah. And yet when we're walking through some of these dilemmas that we're going to be talking about this week, I think there's an easy uh, reasoning point that we can just be like, well, yeah, that's either not a big deal mm-hmm. or we only look at it through the lens of how it affects mm-hmm. us rather yeah. than appropriate this idea yeah. of love. Well, and there was a spectrum created in the church at Corinth that Paul was addressing. And just like our spectrum, now we typically are described left, you know, meaning liberal, and right, meaning conservative, and it's a spectrum, and that spectrum has always existed. And in the church, it seems to exist. Now, in a conservative church, you have a tendency to be in a spectrum that is more on the conservative side, and in a liberal church, you have a tendency to be in a spectrum more on the on the left side, but still there's a spectrum. And uh, Paul's going to address that. There's liberty which is ironically very close to the word liberal, right? And there's liberty, which we really do have in Christ. And then there's also a standard of righteousness. And so the conservatives have a tendency to gravitate to the standard of righteousness. The liberals have a tendency to gravitate towards the liberty that we have in Christ. Both are true, but absent of love, which is why Paul is going to weave that book together. And 1 Corinthians 13 is, is that key high point of saying, look, guys, If you want to do this God's way, you have to have that liberty leveraged with love and you fulfill the law with your love. So if you want to maintain a high standard of living, love well, think outward, think about others more than yourself. And so when everyone's thinking about themselves, which is what we have a tendency to do in a time like this, a time of crisis, a time of confusion is everyone goes and buys their share of toilet paper or everyone else's share of toilet paper and they run home with it. In other words, everyone starts thinking about themselves. We as Christians cannot fall for the bait. And that's the point behind all of this is that God in his word has given us plenty, ample uh, evidence of how a Christian is supposed to respond in the midst of crisis. It just doesn't talk about masks. Facial coverings, I guess, is the appropriate politically correct word for it. It doesn't talk about a vaccine, but it does talk about circumcision. It does talk about food sacrifice unto idols. It does does talk about head coverings. It does talk about things that people are tripping over and dividing over in the church. And so as a result, Paul, help us through this, uh, buddy. (laughs) Give us some insight. And he does. And so that's, as we walk through today, I mean, the masked man sort of a fun title, uh, in dealing with facial coverings, uh, it'd be fun to maybe give some personal perspective on this. Like, do you like uh, those those masks, those face coverings? Because I notice you're not wearing one right now. I absolutely love the masks when they're sitting in my drawer or, or sitting on the passenger seat uh, and they're not on my face. Uh, and and <clears throat> I know where we're heading in this, but it is interesting how when you look a little over a year ago, and the requirement was, okay, everywhere you go, you have to wear a mask. Yeah. Uh, in my mind, it uh, I was like, okay, for a couple of weeks, I, I'm willing. It is almost irrational. This is my personal perspective. But as I'm driving down the road, even recently, and you see people in their own cars with all their windows up, still wearing masks by themselves, it is so illogical yeah. in my mind. And we, we've talked before about how a year ago, the concern was yeah. that, all right, if we do this as a culture, what happens if this becomes the normal way of living? Yeah. 
because the moment becomes normal, then to not do it actually becomes almost offensive. Yeah. Uh, or I think your statement was the, uh, if, if, if masks are normal, then to not wear masks makes you feel like you're naked. Yeah. And there is that weird reality yeah. that, uh, depending on what state somebody lives in, yeah. you know, uh, if, if you're still required to wear masks all the time, to walk in a place or even walk down the street without a mask on, yeah. it has this weird feeling of like, I'm out of place. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm doing something horrible. Yeah. Uh, but I, I know you, I mean, you mentioned this in your sermon yesterday, but you are a huge fan of not wearing masks. <laughs> oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, I, it's interesting. It's been a dilemma. And I think yeah. the word dilemma is very good for me because for me, it's not a conscience issue. For some people, it is. And that's why this is a delicate thing yeah. in the church. For some people, not wearing a mask is is important to their soul and their conscience because mask wearing is a lie. It doesn't actually work. It doesn't actually help. So why are we prospering a lie? And so in good conscience, they can't wear a mask. And that's actually a very specific issue. And I I wouldn't even try and correct someone in that position because I understand it. I don't, that's not my position. My position is evangelism. I'm a people person. I'm a smiler. I'm like, you know, a human doesn't have a tail to wag. We're not dogs. We can't wag a, wag a tail. We wag our tail by smiling and greeting people with joy and we light up. And that's actually one of the great strengths we have as humans. And I leverage that. That is one of the things I use. A mask hinders, it It's uh, it puts a hitch in my giddy up. It messes with my ability to relate with people. And so as a result, I struggled with it, especially in the beginning. I want to show honor to my governing uh, authorities. And if they ask me to wear a mask, it's like... Okay, I'm willing to put this crazy thing on, but why are we doing this? You know, so it was a real struggle for me because for me, I don't fear. And that's part of, you know, my, uh, my look, uh, my mental outlook on life is I don't care what's happening. I'm not going to fear it. And so even if there's a pandemic, I don't fear the pandemic. It doesn't mean I'm an idiot. And I still, I mean, everything we're supposed to do, like wash our hands for 20 seconds under hot water with soap. Well, I did that anyways. Okay. We still use wisdom anyways, you know, we're, but to fear something doesn't make any sense to me. So why am I going to fear this? No, I don't fear this. And so I felt like in a, in, when it first started, if I put on a mask, people could think I'm fearing this. Well, I'm not fearing it. So I, I don't want to wear a mask and have people think I'm fearing it. Do you remember all these discussions? It was really hard for me. And so I said, unless there is a mandate, I can't wear a mask. Then the mandate comes in. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, I can wear a mask, I guess. Because it's not a conscience issue for me. I don't feel like I'm prospering a lie. I'm actually trying to show respect and honor. And that's a totally different approach to it. But since we have a spectrum of how people look at this, and if you went in to order steak, you have some people that are ordering it rare, some people ordering it well done. And the people that are ordering it well done are looking at the people that are ordering it rare going, there's some, you know... That could prosper disease over there. And the people that are ordering it well done, the the rare people are like, there's no flavor in that. (laughs) And the people are like, yes, it's a charred flavor. Uh, And you can order the same food and look at it very differently. And that's the way many of us are appropriating this, but we're dividing over. And that's where I'm sensitive to this. And that's what we really want to talk about is not just the fact that many of us are frustrated with masks or that some people, I mean, there's probably some people uh, listening to this or watching this that actually are favorable towards masks and they feel like they actually remove a hindrance that they have socially because they tend to be a little more sensitive 
whether it's lungs or whether it's just the fact that they're more conscious of disease and the spread of things, germs. Some people are that way. And it's almost in their makeup to be more sensitive to those things where I'm not. And so it's hard for me to prescribe to that person how they should think and live because all of us have always lived. You know, there's people that wash their hands, you know, 40 times a day and there's people that don't wash them at all. And it's like, how could both people be human? And yet we all are sort of wired differently. And to show honor and respect for these, this spectrum is actually part of what we need to learn to walk through as Christians right now. And it's important to recognize too that it, because it's not a salvation issue, then it, it actually, you need space for both sides of those things. Yeah. In other words, if this was a, uh, you know, do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Yeah. That That's clearly defined in scripture and we need yeah. to stand upon that point. Yeah. But when it's more principle-based on like, okay, how do we how do we handle an issue like this? You know, we've said so, so many times in our church where if someone comes in and they're not wearing a mask, great, we support yeah. it. Yeah. If someone comes in and they're feeling like they need to wear a mask and that they need to sit in a corner by themselves. Well, we actually want to go out of our way to yep. honor that and, and yep. encourage them in that and not feel like they are a lesser than individual yep. because they feel yep. like they should wear a mask. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where we've both ended up where <clears throat> uh, it's not, it's not my favorite thing in the world to wear a mask, mm-hmm. you know, especially on airplanes. Uh, but <laughs> even though I don't like to go into a, a grocery store wearing a mask, if they have a sign or, or if, if I'm asked to wear a mask, well then, out of deference and out of respect mm-hmm. and out of love for those people, I'm, I'm going to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Even though inwardly I'm like, I don't need to be doing this. Yeah. I'm not doing it. Again, how do you show love in this kind of situation? Yeah. It's like, how, how can I turn outward and say, my, my goal is actually not to cause that person to be offended mm-hmm. by the yeah. gospel of Jesus Christ. So rather than thinking from a selfish van- vantage point of, this is what I want or this is, how, this is what I think I should do, it really needs to come from the perspective of, how, how can I look at these people in my life and show yeah. love and respect in such a way that shows that I care for them uh, without just causing a trip up point? Yep. Yeah. And it's an interesting point. I, I think all of us are appropriating this in, in our own way. And we're trying, I mean, I genuinely want to love people and I want to show respect. And I don't want to just think about Eric Ludi because Eric Ludi doesn't like being in a mask. But I've been in a mask many times. There was I was one of the last people to ever put a mask on. There's some people that have still never put a mask on. But in, in, out of the people that did eventually put masks on. But and my reason was respect and honor. That was the reason I did it. It was hard for me because I felt like I didn't want to declare that I was fearful or anxious about something. It's like, hey, I believe that God is in complete control of my life and I'm using wisdom. Uh, but I will oftentimes carry a mask. Well, this is how I do it. This is my strategy. I carry a mask in with me because in Weld County, there's no mask mandate. So it's like, and so oftentimes they, the businesses still have their signs up, but there's no mandate here. Right. So I'm like in this awkward zone here. So I'll carry the, uh, my mask in with me and never in Weld County has anyone asked me to put a mask on, but if they do, it's like, absolutely. I'll put it on for you. But I'm, it's like I'm trying to sponsor, I guess, in my own way, the idea that maybe we shouldn't continue to wear these. <laughs> and I'm trying to help with that. But at the same time, some people, well, never in, I haven't had it happen in Well County, but when I was in Dallas, which, hey, we're in Texas, everything should be free in Texas. Well, I was asked, I think, three times in Texas to stick on a mask. I had it right there. I was like, absolutely. And uh, so those are hard issues. And I just want to acknowledge that, that even if you wouldn't agree with Nathan's and my approach, uh, I'm fine with that as well. You know, that what I want to do as the body of Christ is I want to exhort us to throw a judo move 
on this mass thing, because a lot of us are waiting for mass to finally disappear before we start aggressively sharing the gospel. And I, I think we should touch on that because to mm-hmm. me, that's the issue. And if we go back in time to the days of Jesus, so the Jews have been waiting for a Messiah for a long time. And what is their expectation of the Messiah? To remove the governmental oppressions. And I would say over this past year, what is, what is the vantage point of a lot of American Christians? What are we asking Jesus for? What are we asking our Messiah to do? Our Messiah has to be up to something right now, and I believe he is. But we're expecting him to remove the governmental oppressions. And I would say mask wearing falls into that category for many of us in our mind, right? We're like, yeah, that, like something like that. God, please remove that. Of course, many of us could make a, a long list of other things. But he didn't remove the governmental oppressions. In fact, when he rose from the dead, even, he didn't just die and was buried, but he rose again and ascended. And guess what? There's still Roman rule. In fact, it actually got worse upon the Christians yep. with, the, with the persecution and the, uh, just that oppression it actually enhanced after the Messiah was here. And yet this Bible is written during that period. It's written during a period of governmental oppression. So if there was ever a group of people that would understand how to deal with that, and what's interesting is we don't usually think about them being oppressed. That's not our, our, we think of them thriving. So most of us are praying, God, bring us back to such a fire as they had. And so we we were talking about Matthew 5. Could you just sort of unpack a little of Matthew 5 and we can sort of uh, dialogue on that a little? Yeah, it's just really fascinating that when you, when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is, of course, he's in uh, Upper Galilee area. And as you said, the Jews have been praying and expecting that when the Messiah comes, that one of the key things that he would do is march, basically march down to Rome, kick Caesar off the throne, and reestablish Israel in the glory days of David and Solomon. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that, of course, Rome had all of these laws and regulations of what, what was required of all their peoples around the world. But it's interesting, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about, okay, you've heard this said in the past, here's what I'm going to tell you to do. And he says in Matthew 5, 38, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist an evil person. And of course, the first thought probably is, oh, those Gentiles, those Romans, you know. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, whoever strikes you on your right cheek, turn to him the other as well. If anyone sues you in a court of law and takes away your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him two. And it's interesting when you look at that, he's actually talking about some of that Roman law. Roman law required that if a soldier came up to you and says, I want you to carry my bag, that you you had legally had to carry that Roman's possessions, his, his backpack, one mile. But at the end of that one mile, you were legal, legally allowed to rip it off, throw it on the ground and go, go your way because that... The, the requirement is one mile. And I love what Jesus is saying. He says, look, in the midst of oppression, in the midst of hardship, hey, when someone is taking advantage of you, what do you do? You actually show love mm-hmm. and you actually go beyond the expectation and you cause such a dumbfounding reality mm-hmm. uh, in that person's soul because they demanded of you to carry a one mile. Uh, they slapped you on a cheek. They mm-hmm. sued you for your cloak. And what do you do? You actually go far beyond that mm-hmm. and you show this reality of the life of Christ within you. And I think that is so applicable for the days in which we live because, okay, we're not under Roman law, but we are under governmental law. Mm -hmm. And so, as you said, I find it so fascinating that our expectations, at least in America last November, 
was that God was going to give salvation. He was going to bring about a political party that that may have you know helped with with the situation we live in. And it's not that way right now. <laughs> in fact, it feels like it's gotten worse. So what do we do? Yeah. Well, we act in love. And some of us are waiting for the quote unquote Messiah to come and destroy the powers of socialism and communism before we behave as Christians. Yeah. And before we go out and just go after the harvest, I believe we have to leverage this situation. It does not mean we are happy with evil progressing. That's not, that's not what we celebrate. We celebrate the fact that God is going to leverage what the enemy means for evil into good for those that love and are called according to his purpose. This is what he does. And so for us, we've been given everything we need for life and godliness. We've been given everything we need for mask mandates, for, get this one, uh, for mandatory vaccines. Boy, that's a tough one uh, for many people. For all these things, we still have what we need as Christians to know how to address it. We just need to do this together as the body. It's not just as individual, you know, lone rangers. It's not just, it, it's a body. And we need to be knit together of one mind, one spirit, one purpose. And that seems like an impossibility right now. But that's one of the reasons I'm walking through these, this process. Why well, I gave the sermon yesterday. Whether or not in the upcoming weeks I'm going to continue to harp on this theme, I don't know. But it's a burden for me because I see a splintering in the body. I see the devil playing us. And I would like to play God's game instead. God, I mean, when wild beasts were eating Christians, right? And Caesar Nero was throwing them to uh, for public sport. Christians thrived in that. And that's an oppressive government. And yet the Christians thrived. It was evil, but God worked good out of that. And that's why it says the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. I want to see us leverage this position, even if it's with masks, I want us to go the extra mile as Christians with our love right now to dramatically shock the Roman soldiers out there, to have the Roman soldiers go, you don't need to keep going. Yeah, but I'm doing this for you. I'm after you. And that's where I want us to be inspired afresh is not to just be upset and grumbling and complaining and spitting, uh, you know, at this evil governmental system, not to be celebrating it but to be celebrating God's ability to work in us and through us right now to change the world in which we live. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellersley.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Note that our live in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume on weekdays this coming June at the Ellersley campus in conjunction with our discipleship training season. Thanks for listening.